Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, entitled Fear and Trembling. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I It was... Uh... Okay, that's my thoughts, too. Just just pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't the... I don't think it's the best Fargo episode of this season, but yeah. it uh, finally kicks off the war. I... I guess the big surprise and the thing that I slightly disappointed me is how quickly the Ed and Peggy thing came together, and also, uh-huh. you know, the war. I guess I thought there'd be a little bit more lead up to the war. I'm pleasantly surprised that that is getting fast tracked. I don't know that I buy the whole Hanzi detective agency one man <laughs> forensic army uh-huh. approach. Um, that said, if it greases the wheels and, you know, we can spend eight whole episodes doing super interesting stuff, when we've already had some pretty interesting things things happen already, then, you know, I guess that's that's all right. Also, how do you feel that we've all but confirmed that there is real UFOs in a sense of yeah. unexplained flying objects? I'm not going to say aliens, although that doesn't definitely seems to be the flavor. Lights in the sky type of UFOs. Lights in the sky. Uh, two, two hours missing from this guy. Did you... Did you his Twig watch, that? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I actually am fine with it. I, I don't know what they're gonna do with it. Like, is what's the point? Is is the end of this season gonna have something to do with a massive alien? Is the massacre at Sioux Falls an alien attack? Like, what? <laughs> well, what because, the hell, man? You know, again, Lou. Every time he's talked about the Sioux Falls Massacre and him staying up late to protect his family from danger, Mm -hmm. he's always said things like, I I wasn't looking out for somebody as much as a what, or it's not a who so much as a what. Yeah. So they're certainly playing and trading on that knowledge of the diehard Vargo fans to Mm -hmm. think, oh, there's something supernatural or uncanny or strange. I mean, the best case scenario... I just don't see what they're going to do with it. Best case scenario, they come down and they take Betsy and they cure her of cancer but she goes she she actually you know goes she, with she him goes yeah, with yeah. Them, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a, a close encounter type of thing or a, a knowing kind of thing yeah and i guess i don't have any expectation like what i want them to do with it and they could really do anything with it so maybe it'll be a good thing in the end i just right now i'm very confused about that part of the show uh, you know so like i said i'm not disliking it but i do feel like it's getting to be a distraction because you had the ronald reagan yeah. You know, Moonbase Freedom, which is the second mm-hmm. not actually a Ronald Reagan movie that they've spoofed on the show. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of science fiction references. And now you've got Hansi being waylaid by the UFO and not really being that concerned about it. Yeah, I guess it's too big of a part of the show for them to just drop it at this point. Uh-huh. Like, I wouldn't feel satisfied by that. Oh, no, they have something has yeah. to happen. And it doesn't. But like... I can't imagine what. Right. That would that would satisfy me as a viewer and not have me rolling my eyes going, oh my god, what? What if, like, in the climactic gun battle, the alien appears behind Lou and just momentarily distracts a bad guy so Lou can get the shot? Like, would that be a payoff? Like, I, I'm trying to think when, you know, obviously we're not looking for Tom Cruise War of the Worlds here. Sure, sure. I. But something, I mean, at that I level, know. or I mean, that's that's a hackneyed idea. But something that level or greater, I think. I guess I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. Like whatever they show me, I'll just have to judge in the moment and see. Yeah. What I think of it, but right now it's got me kind of up in the air. Yeah. Uh, I do like seeing Michael Hogan get some action, though. Oh, get, I mean, get to do something other than sit there and stare at the camera with one eye. You know, it's interesting because I feel like I saw a couple professional critics kind of poking fun at the wig work there. And I guess maybe I'm just a sucker for wigs mm. because I thought 
my jaw dropped when I saw him walk into that theater because I'm like, Jesus Christ, the dude looks 40 years younger. Uh-huh. Like I was buying that, sh- I was buying that hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, this guy looks like a much younger man. But everybody else is like, oh, look at the wig. You know, when I think of like shitty mm. wigs, I'm thinking Corey stole. Yeah, the strain. Yeah. I'm not thinking this guy here in a dark theater. Like the wig doesn't have to be. I'm thinking the Americans, honestly, where it's uh, yeah. almost a joke. On yeah, the it's an in joke. I thought this yeah. was a, a, a convincing makeup and, and wig job, honestly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I didn't I think it was it. bad. They they must have slathered that guy with makeup. Just, oh yeah, they just poured it on the floor and rolled him around in it because <laughs> he looks pretty old without it. Well, and he is old. I mean, yeah, but I don't know exactly also, how old. But they're also using a bit of makeup to make him look older, and you know, obviously his okay, performance that helps. And, and the way he's he's portraying Otto is as as a very old man. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're getting a little bit like he's not that young and he's not that old. So you can do a lot of different things with him. You know, sure. Yeah, but I really like seeing him get to do something. Other yeah. Than sit there. Do you think we'll have any more flashbacks of like Dodd's formative years? Because I will say that I maybe that one scene helped me to appreciate Dodd as a character a lot more and, yeah. and see him as a more realistic. You know, he he instantly became more real. It's like okay, if that's what you did when you're an eight, nine, ten year old boy. Mm-hmm then I can see how you would kind of be fucked up and how you see your family and how you treat your daughter and, and how you carry yourself in the world. Like, that's that's a real yeah. trauma. And, and also, like, this idea that he's saying, you know, dad would want to fight. Yeah. Dad would not want to roll over. Well, we see that, right? Like, he rose to power by fighting. Yeah, like, making a deal is almost a repudiation of his entire life. Yeah. Like, that's not how I was raised, literally. Do we want to just jump over to talking about this deal? Because this deal is just, I mean, this is lukewarm piss. Honestly, I have no interest in talking about the deal, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) Okay. Because the deal was just a way to get the war to happen. The particulars of the deal, who got what percentage and who got what territory, it's moot because it's a war now. So, like, I paid on my on sure. my subsequent watches, I paid zero attention to any of the, the, the terms of the deal other than, obviously, the Fargo deal is supposed to – the counteroffer is supposed to be very reasonable and the them coming back with – I mean, it's essentially a framing device wanting you to a- acknowledge that maybe this deal would have happened because we've seen Joe's thoughts on the matter, which is if the yeah. numbers say – we shoot, we shoot. The numbers say we buy, we buy. The numbers say we de- like they were yeah. open to a reasonable negotiation, and Dodd single handedly blew it up. And we knew he would, right? Yes. I mean, you could see it on his face in the scene last episode. But but now I don't think that's more that's a calculated power grab against his mother than just the way he thinks things need to be. Yeah. To yeah. secure his family's legacy. But I, like I'm trying to figure out what. Floyd is getting out of this deal and what the Gerhards are getting out of this deal. I mean, I guess it all it does is prevent a war, right? They're they're just giving them stuff. It's not like they're they're saying, "Well, you can have this, but we want something in return." It's just like, "Here, take this part and don't hurt us." It feels very weak to me. Well, they're giving some of the parts that are I guess out of their immediate concern and they're keeping their own autonomy and they're paying tributes, but it's it's more of a partnership deal. It feels like a one-way deal though. Well, into the sense that they had 100%, and mm-hmm. now they don't have 100%. Exactly. But, you know, there's a cost to fighting a war. As, oh, sure. You know, we already yeah. saw. Like, you know, people are getting hurt. People are getting dead. 
Yeah. I, it just seems doesn't seem like a power move at all. Like, there's no power in that. Saying, please don't don't take the rest of our stuff just take this little bit and be satisfied and you got to imagine that these guys aren't going to be satisfied with that little bit that they're going to give them eventually well i mean that's the thing about criminals yeah Yeah. the the thing that i don't know is that the kansas city crew seems to be not your average criminal outfit Uh but then deep down you got to think they're probably your average criminal outfit they've got mike milligan working for them yeah and the kitchen brothers so got some genuine bruisers there and they are not afraid to shed blood so you're probably right but on the other hand, if you can, it seems like the family's been on hard times. This this company's been mm-hmm. this this criminal outfit out of Kansas City has been nipping on their heels this entire time, as we found out in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess a bad deal's better than just being wiped out, and it's, it so. costs and, and for both sides. Like you know, it's. Uh, it, it costs it. Kansas City is going to cost blood and treasure to take over the Gerhards, no matter how weak they are. They're going to be capable of some violence, yeah. And vice versa. Even the Gerhards think they can win this war. It's going to cost them a lot. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost them because you know that's one thing that's consistently gone through in in crime dramas is that bodies are a problem for you. Because it's harder, it's it's easy for cops to look the other way when you're transporting some weight, or you're yeah, running yeah. some girls, or you're doing some number games. When you start dropping bodies, and people start catching bullets, and bystanders get involved, and it starts getting very hard to say, oh, I, you know, what what is this crime that's what's going on in our community? Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of you know the crux of the problem here, which is what Rye did at the beginning, which is just go shoot a judge. Yes. Right? Like, that's going to be one of the threads that kind of unravels this whole operation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, there's there's a lot of stuff in here about uh, Betsy and her cancer mm-hmm. that we could talk about, which I I don't know. This placebo scene was, I guess, a little funny, but just not that entertaining to me. I didn't think it was supposed to be entertaining. I thought it was supposed to be, like, that doctor's an asshole. Sure. That doctor, you know, we we it's it's like the um, the the office space joke where like he needs a people person, uh-huh. like he might be a brilliant clinical physician and and an experimental doctor and whatnot, but his bedside manner is the worst. Yeah, and it's I'm thinking bad. about how you know I think nowadays because you know America especially is weirdly like just oozing with drugs, like mm-hmm. you can't watch a goddamn football show or Fargo, or anything without getting drugs shoved down your throat. And ask your doctor, and serious side effects might include. Mm-hmm. And we kind of get understand how the pharma, you know, big pharma works. But I feel like in the late 70s, doctors say, hey, there's clinical trials. Like, oh, yeah, we'll try it. It's like, well, you know, 50% of the time you're going to get a fake drug. Yeah. Like, that's got to be, you know, theater of the absurd is right there. Sure. Like, I, the only reason you're... Uh, you're, you're the only reason you can take this experimental drug is because you're going to die without it. But half the people, you're not going to get it, so you're just going to die so we can mm-hmm. measure the difference. It's almost – I mean, I know it has to be done. There's no yes, other way to do that's it. That's the thing you've it, got to remember. It does feel a little Nazi twin studies. Like <laughs> we're going to take the twins and we're going to you know, do some weird stuff to you and then we're going to blow both your brains out and dissect you and find out what happens. There's something a little bloodless about it that's – Chilling. Certainly. I mean, watching that scene, I'm, I am subconsciously, or not, not subconsciously, I am in my guts feeling bad about this whole scenario. Like right. this, this is wrong. 
she shouldn't not know if she's going to be getting a drug. But in my head, I'm like, this absolutely has to happen. That's how you do and research. Your own. This is only a small window of time, and after the fact, these drugs are going to be used to save many, many other people. Or and a hundred percent find of out who that the drug them. has no efficacy, so you're not it, exactly, selling snake yeah. oil to people. Sure. So there are a lot of reasons why it's a good thing and should happen. It's but you're right. It feels on an individual. A little if you're not, you know, yeah. completely up on your and you're already. So there's a lot of themes about American decay. Sure. That I don't know. Lou's worried about that. He's complaining about I mean, it's arguable that this point is kind of like one of the low points in American history because economically Mm -hmm. and militarily and even crime, like this is the high watermark for crime. After the late 70s, early 80s, crime will steadily decrease until now, even though that's all we hear about. We're living in the safest time probably that's ever existed in the United States. Yeah. And... But it's weird because I feel like Noah Hawley wants us to kind of take some lessons from that to modern day, and it's just not a sale for me because I don't feel that way about my country. Hmm. Like, you know, we have a lot of problems, but it's not that we don't have any foreign power projection and that our economy's in the shitter. I mean, not the way it was back then and that, you know, crime and the threats of violence are on the rise. It's just that stuff doesn't isn't working for me. Yeah, I guess I I haven't really been thinking like, oh, he's trying to tell a story about contemporary society. I mean, just three times this episode, you have a character with a monologue about yeah. how terrible this period of American culture is and what a wasteland and what a lost generation it is. I'm like, okay, okay. Like, how yeah, many I, fucking monologues hmm. about that subject do we get this season? Like, uh, are we up to several. 12 now? It's several, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I, I kind of like pump the brakes on that a bit. Okay. And not because I'm like a jingoist patient and it's hurting my... I just, I just, I, I, I think it's getting to be a bit distracting. Hmm. Uh, there, there are a couple scenes that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, the first one is the scene where Hansi goes into the, the auto body shop, the auto shop, whatever it is. Uh, and he's intimidating this poor... Sonny. Poor sap. This poor fool. Uh, and then Walt... Uh, is it Walter? No. It's uh, Weathers. Carl Weathers. Yes. Comes out of the bathroom. And, man, I love his reaction to this whole thing. Do we have a problem here? Yeah, it's... Nick Offerman... Just kind of flashes his gun. I've never seen him in something I don't like. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. And he's kind of like the Walter character from The Big Lebowski. Although that's why I confused him. Yeah, and and well, I think that's an intention. Like everything they got set up, even with his little sidekick relationship with Sonny, mm. it's intentionally aping that. With the one difference is that you kind of got to take like Walter is more of a bully, and like he really wasn't the badass he thought he is. I kind of mm-hmm. think that Carl is. He might be. Like he made he made Hansi back down. And maybe it's because yeah. Hansi's like, look, I already know what I need to know. You already told me the guy's uh-huh. a butcher. I've seen the guy's name and address, and I'm just kind of... And it won't go well for me if I try I'm really only something. threatening you to fuck with me because you cited the war in your war experience, and I'm actually yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a, a Vietnam-era tunnel rat. Crawling through the tunnels. Shoo. And, Man. yeah, you can't, you, you, you can't pull that card on me. So it's like, yeah. they're, you know, he's kind of like, well, this game just isn't worth it. But... Also, it's kind of badass, yeah. Yeah, when Carl steps out, it's pretty badass. And then, like, 
<laughs> Probably my favorite line of the whole episode is when he's like, we should tell the constable. And he's like, constable? The sheriff, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is everything. It's like when Hank came by and he's like, yeah, Carl here is here. Fortunately, Carl is here stressing the plumbing. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it's I, I don't know, man. Some of this Midwestern stuff is, is hilarious. Yep. And even, you know, he comes out, it's like, where on God's green earth do you keep your plunger? Because he had. He just wrecked the bathroom. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that was a great scene. Another great scene is uh, that, that scene where Lou goes to the Blomquist's house. And, Before we and move on, what did, did you... I, I actually liked... I don't know who this Hansi guy is and who he's played by. Yeah. But... And I wasn't sure about him, but this episode, I thought, you know, even though I don't necessarily agree with how they're showing his police work and whether I fully buy that, his performance when he was giving that speech about, you know, going through the tunnels and, and you know, going into the Black Echo and all that, I thought it was really effective. That guy's, mm-hmm. it was always kind of maybe a bit of a parody, but now I'm taking him as a genuine threat. Yeah, because they've started to give us some background. And I, I think with him as just this, this stoic face on the screen who we think might be dangerous. It's yeah. not nearly as effective as knowing, okay, this this is a man who knows his business. He's seen some shit. I also want to revisit something we're talking about the Hanzi with the rabbit situation from last episode. Okay. Where yeah. um someone on Reddit pointed out that Peggy in the scene where she's in the car with Ed and they wreck the car and I, and several points in this season she's got a pair of white rabbit's ear earmuffs. Or rabbit skin, hmm. rather. Oh, okay. So they could be doing a little bit of really subtle foreshadowing with Hansi just dispassionately breaking the rabbit's neck, and you got this woman I who... I suppose so, yeah. Skinning her and eating her heart. I don't know about that. <laughs> but that's the one That's the one solid connection I saw in the, in the, the week since we talked about it. All right. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good scene. Uh like I said, the the other really good scene is Lou at the Blomquist house, trying to warn them and trying trying to help them, you know, as much as he can with the situation they're in. He, yeah, he almost kind of feels sorry for these fools getting involved in this scenario. You know, it's bald move rule: never talk to the cops. Uh huh. Might make an exception on this once it's clear <laughs> that you've murdered Fredo. You know, the the Godfather's son. Yeah, you might want to talk to the cops. What's more dangerous? Telling the cops you accidentally hit the guy and covered it up, or potentially having Hansi come to your house. Yes. Yeah. Like, what's the law? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you could you could wind up in jail and get murdered in prison by the, <laughs> you know, Walter White style, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're, if you're playing the long game and you're, you're trying to play the odds, sure. Hansi's in their house on the nose of them right now. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, that's the... The thing that we know as an audience that they don't know, and yeah. it makes it a little easier of a call for us. Yeah. Plus, but, I mean, Lou clearly knows what's up. Yeah. It's not and, like and he's Lou being also I, is it. genuinely, I think he uh, he has affection for Peggy and Ed. Like, he's mm-hmm. the stereotypical small town yeah. uh, cop, although he's actually a state policeman who knows everybody on the beat. and He's, he's Andy Griffith. And, yeah, exactly. So when he comes and says it's not like... You know, a guy trying to sweat you. I think he genuinely believes you're in danger and I'm trying to help. Yeah. And we know that they are in danger. <laughs> and also, like, I, you know, I feel like that from some of the stuff we saw, I saw on the forums and on Reddit, people are frustrated with, you know, like, oh, why did these guys, you know, why didn't they do a better job of crime? But I thought, like, it's interesting because in the first few episodes where you see Ed and them covering up their tracks, it's like, he seems like he's doing a reasonably good job. Yeah. 
But then you see how quickly that falls apart when a person has the motive and has a few pieces of information. Hansi's able to see, oh, well, here's the blood between the seat cushions you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And I see the bleach on your garage floor. Yeah, honestly, the, I, the thing I didn't like about the Hansi stuff, if I'm honest, is the idea that three to four days after the event, he can drive down, spend two minutes on the scene, and find that piece of glass... Yeah. It's been driven over how many times and how, you yeah. know. This is, so unless the cook or the waitress was the owner of this waffle place, right? clean it up and let them get back to business. Yes. You are ruining a man's life. Like, I don't know what the real policy is on that, but I feel like if you shoot up a waffle hut, yeah. they're not going to be out of business for. There's a gas station down the street. Yeah. That had a car plow into the front of the building. Twice. Twice. In a in year. A, in less than a year. They never closed. And the next day, they're open again. Yes. They've got the windows boarded up, and there's a makeshift door, and they're selling shit. Yeah, because... They don't close down. Because they've got bills to pay, man. Yeah. Uh, I think So that's... open this waffle. We need to start a petition. Yes. Like a change.org. Open the waffle, the waffle hut. hut. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe the cook was... A, he's the owner-operator of the, the now, place. Yeah, if that's the case, then... That makes, Forget everything that makes said. perfect sense. Yeah. But I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the owner of that place is going to be working there. No. I think they're going to be out living it up. Plus, it looks like a 24-hour like type of joint. So, yeah, and it was late at night. Yeah, you have to have several staff, and the owner doesn't usually work the graveyard shift. Although, I don't know if that's the graveyard shift, either. I've got a lot of questions. Now, I'm getting more and more questions about the geography and this judge thing that we're going to get to in feedback. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think about Mike Milligan plowing Simone? Did that strange? I was genuinely shocking to me. I yeah. Even though they set up the abuse, genuinely of the father, I too. thought it was more like she was going to have an angle on the family business, not just an out and out betrayal. Yeah, I wonder if she's also using that to collect information about what they're doing. I too. was wondering if she's actually a double secret agent that yeah. she's working for the grandma. But she's giving away a lot of information as well. Yeah, that's the care. Well. I don't know how to square the impression I got of her as being savvy last week with just in completely how careless she is this week. Yeah. Because she could have wound up gotten her grandfather, which I get. He's just a figurehead. But still, you know, an important totem if you're, you know, mm-hmm. counting coup on an organization. Uh, she got, she almost got her grandfather killed and yeah. gave away a lot of the family's strategy. And so I feel like the double agent thing, even though that's kind of what I want to be true for her because I thought she really impressed me last week. It seems like she's mm-hmm. just overmatched when it comes to the mic. Yeah. Even though she does be. have the moral authority of having her thumb up the man's ass. <laughs> that, that endows you with moral authority. I, I think there's a certain, you know, right. you get, you get a finger in someone inside someone. Hey, listen, I've amount. had my thumb in your ass. Don't tell me yeah. my business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look what Don Draper did with the comedians wife you know that's season true. two like that's yeah. like you just bam that's power um what is with noah holly and thumbs up asses <laughs> thumbs up I, if asses. you don't know what i'm talking about uh lorne malvo and his uh, kansas city dentist disguise uh with his little uh dental assistant girlfriend slash fiance was all aces about the idea of getting her whole thumb up his ass it's another office space reference aces no thumbs up asses oh <laughs> thumbs up asses man <laughs> wow he's made the 
That's that's the most startling connection to a television <laughs> series since your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theory with The right? Walking Dead. Right. Also, speaking of that, I love how our shows are bleeding into each other. All of them are, yeah. Uh, Shredder, as a rat, huge fan of cheese. What? Eastman was all about the cheese. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Okay. Sorry, there's your Walking Dead. I got yeah. your Walking it's, it's not exactly chocolate and peanut butter, I realize, so we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so Hanzi, during his search, finds Rise Belt Buckle in the flames, or in the, the fireplace. Yep. We we said, okay, that's got to come back, but we we were like, how the hell is anybody going to find it in this fire? Well, now we know. Uh, what do you think he does with this? Takes it back and says, hey, here's what happened to Rye. I kind of feel like if it wasn't for Lou... He would have just tortured them until he found out exactly what they did. Yeah. And then probably. they would have gotten pasted. Now that the sheriff is even I'm of two minds about it, because on the one hand, Dodd said, don't let anybody get in your way. But that was bringing back the brother. Yeah. Now that his brother's dead. I could see him going back to Dodd and saying, look, this is what these people did. This is what mm-hmm. I found out. How do you want me to proceed? Does he go to Dodd or does he go to Floyd? Because both of them had said, hey. Find out what happened to Rye. If he goes to da, if he goes straight to Floyd, then I, you know, because I had I had a little bit of a theory about that maybe he's I don't know why maybe I just really like Floyd, but I've I've always got these theories that she's not being fucked by everyone around her that like her granddaughter okay. and her uh-huh. you know hired killer and her goon of a of a son like these people aren't all turned against her. Well, we do know that Dodd is not really on her side in this whole thing sure but we also know that he's not trying to get her killed sure yeah well but then again he could just be too dumb to well function. i mean you know you gotta <laughs> he's a lost little boy and yeah. maybe he wouldn't have fit a pete kill his mother and then regret it ever you know from from that point forward but it, or do know. something that gets her killed inadvertently yeah but what i was trying to get at is like if hansi goes right to floyd and not to dodd then i'll start to feel like that's Okay, the the Floyd thing is is more of a deal that she's got yeah. this because right now it's looking like she has zero control mm-hmm. and it's going to be Dodd blundering and screwing up this 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 family. The thing she does have is Bear, right? Bear is totally in her pocket. Bear doesn't even have his own house in order. It's true, yeah. So and we don't know anything about Bear, right? We don't know if he's formidable or how smart he is or how good he is at what he does, what he does. So yeah, bear is kind of a wild card at the moment. What's bear's son's name? The one with the, the, the uh, withered hand. I don't know. It's Dodd's nephew, bear's son. He's got the withered hand. Um, he seems like he wants to be a gangster. Mm-hmm. And I would be skeptical of that, except for he did seem like he could, you know, he's he's been practicing that one-arm reload. And also, they set yeah. up the theme in the very early episode of this one little kid that no one thought much of toppling this dynasty and securing his father's legacy. Mm-hmm. I could see them doing kind of that echo with uh, the kid here, although I could also see them subverting that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. He seemed to be able to reload all right. Mm-hmm. He's cut his hair so he doesn't have to be swishing it out of his eyes with his one good hand. But as Dodd says, they could also use a Tom Hagen. You could use, you know, this, this sure. kind of family could use a, a lawyer on the inside working for them as well. So, yeah. you know, what is the best way you can actually serve your family in here and now? 
Yeah, um, but... And, of course, the donut scene is just amazing. Yeah, that's a great scene. <laughs> you know, we, we, you even mentioned that in the preview podcast, the whole, the, the you know, I'll take the chocolate glaze, mm-hmm. and the old... And this his reaction to the old-fashioned, old like, you know, you're not going to order a jelly donut or... Mm-hmm. Any you know, cream field is just old fashioned, and he's like, okay, old fashioned. Like I love it, and then yeah, bill it to these guys, or these guys got the tab. Pretty yeah. great. No, that's that's a really good scene. Let's talk about Ed and Peggy. Okay, this with, is a fiasco with their uh, butcher shop woes and their seminars. Well, it's just a tragedy because you know when I'm looking around the landscape out here, I see a lot of people essentially, oh poor Ed and Peggy's such a bitch. And uh, it's hard to argue with them because she's the one running over people and getting them into all these things. But they're also, you know, she is this Midwestern housewife stuck in this kind of depressing deal in the 70s. And her husband doesn't really take her concerns or mm-hmm. in her emotions or what she really wants and doesn't even try to see her point of view. And she is earning her own money and she should be. In, but, you know, first of all, she killed somebody. And second of all, the thing she's wanting to do with her free time is this LifeSpring stuff, which is a real organization and is at best a multi-level marketing scam and at yeah. worst a low-level cult. Uh-huh. And I'm like, God damn. And and you're getting pushed into it by a person who I'm morally certain is a sexual predator. Yeah. <laughs> and so you start feeling like any kind of girl power vibe you'd want to give her is like – yeah, I don't. If, if the ends justify the means, fair enough. But these ends do not justify these means at all. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I, I'm I, stuck also with the the idea of marriage, like as a partnership. Like she's selling her this bill of goods that is, you know, it's your money. Well, okay, Ed is not helping the scenario, right? Sure. He's not considering her needs, so I feel like maybe that is a little more relevant than it should be. In a marriage, mm-hmm. whereas most marriage, you should have a compromise, right? You or should. any relationship, you should understand the other person's needs and their desires, and they should vice versa. Yeah. And then you should work together towards those goals. But <laughs> Ed is not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel bad about Peggy not doing that in this scenario either. No, and if that's all that was going on in his marriage, I think, you know, well and good, go Peggy. Like, uh-huh. you know, it would be best if you could. The other thing is just watching these people try to communicate between uh, the, the Minnesota nice and the passive God. aggressive and, and the fact that they go for a minute without completing a fucking sentence Being because a they're like, dopey. Uh-huh. I can't say what I want to say because it's going to be mean and I can't say what I want to say because it's going to be mean. So they're just trailing off and <laughs> and we talked about this and well, yeah, you know, we kind of didn't and uh-huh. it's it drives me crazy in the best kind of way. And if they don't get the money, they're going to be – screwed like i said like i might be <laughs> you like you know Peg, you should just divorce this guy because yeah hell yeah you're you're letting him think that you want babies and you're taking birth control and you're squirreling away money and maybe you've got sure. the right to do that but you shouldn't have to do it covertly maybe you should just divorce this lug mm-hmm. and and move on but, but you got the murder that comes with it i know no i get it sure but then you you throw on the murder and murder the in. criminal conspiracy and being wanted mm-hmm. by these you know both by the law and by these vicious gunmen and it's 
it's it's really interesting. It's kind of I guess similar to Lester Nygaard, where you're kind of sympathetic to the schmo who never yeah. you know is always getting steamrolled by his wife and by his workers. But damn, you also can't just go around bashing people with hammers uh-huh. and, and 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 helping people kill other people. Yeah. <laughs> so so how do you feel about you- the way this kind of ends here with them uh, with this conversation with Lou? Where do you think that Ed is about to break? In that scene? Oh, yeah. When Peggy jumps in and kind of cuts him off? I do. I do. I think that's what... Well, I mean, I, I can't say for certain, but I think that's what Fargo wants us to believe. Because technically... That's what that's what Peggy believes. Peggy didn't kill anybody. Mm. Peggy hit the man. Ed killed him. Like I said, that happened in real life, and the court's like, yeah, you're right, but this guy could have lived if you had just you know called sure. the police or the hospital and you Absolutely. didn't so we're putting you in prison for a long time because you're a monster yeah yeah so like that's that's not gonna fly with me but but my point is ed is so so mixed up in this now oh so peggy could just turn she could just be like oh yeah. i wanted to call the police and ed strangled him and and ed would just be like I, 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 and also I, ed's uh, the one that did grind him up and there's also a weird yeah. noise in the grinder so i bet if you took it apart you're gonna find a, a tooth ring or something, or something rattling uh-huh. around and yeah so like i could see her and that would be I mean, th- there you're talking about that now she's crossing Rubicon from being misunderstood to just being pure evil. Yeah, it's mutual assured destruction, I mean, that's right? the thing. Like, like, her actions are making her out to be the devil. It's not just her mm-hmm. kind of life philosophy and her struggles and all that. And yeah. Ed's naturally more... Although, is Ed really more sympathetic? Is he just so deeply stupid that he's, he thinks... He's a little more dim than her, which makes him more but sympathetic she's not, in that's, my opinion. That's what I've come to appreciate is she's not exactly smart. Sure. No. I thought that they were, you know, this is a woman who's extremely intelligent and, like, cunning, and she's just been so stifled. But I know she's kind of dim in her own way, too. And I easily, think she's... And she's being as easily manipulated by Constance. Yes. You know, said predator as, and in kind of the same ways as Ed is being manipulated by her. Maybe it's just that I'm a man and I identify more with Ed as a human being, but mm. uh, it seems like she's more assertive with Ed, like when things don't go the way she wants them to. She's like an iota more assertive. Like yeah, neither yeah. of them. They're both super passive-aggressive yes. and all this shit, but she does take slightly more initiative than him, right? Okay. Getting him to crash the car to cover stuff up. Like he wouldn't have done any of this shit on his own. But so I do thing, feel a little like, more sympathetic that he's being manipulated into this situation. Would Peggy have done all this stuff without Constance? No, that's what I'm no, saying. It's, it's a not. neat kind of like a symmetrical thing here. Yeah, where yeah. you know you got one person that's slightly better at manipulating someone than the other person, and then the person that <laughs> is manipulating them slightly better. Yeah, and then I don't know. And then lose on. the the. He's just at trying the to, top of the heat. He's trying here. to tell you your legs are blown off. Yeah, and you're gonna die. <laughs> and he's going up to the Gerhards and telling them, "Look, I'm not scared of you." Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, now, I was surprised ears... at how quickly Lou figured this whole thing out. Well, but that's the thing. Like, honestly, I think the only real cheat was Hansi finding that glass. Everything else, yeah. like, how many fucking body shops are in Laverne? Probably not many. Like two, three. So you just drive yeah. past until you see something, and you go up there, and then you look in. I mean, I, I, they could have showed him going to two or three different ones, but they showed him yeah doing the one, and then. Once the police got involved and there was already this idea that was kind of in the public consciousness about this gunman maybe getting struck by a hit and run. And then it all kind of came together with Lou's kind of, in retrospect, bizarre behavior, which we speculated that, like, will Lou remember this awkward encounter he had at the butcher shop 
well, we only had to wait two episodes because he totally did. And now I, I, I feel like, again, the only cheat was Hansi finding the glass. Everything else I felt flowed yeah, yeah. very naturally and didn't feel like a cheat. No, I thought so, too. I was just... I guess the conversation that Betsy has in the hairdresser, in the, the place where Kirsten Dunst works, with mm-hmm, Hank, mm-hmm. I ex- I guess I expected Hank not to be such a fool and for Lou to not be so clued in. But do you think... Like, so- it, maybe if she had had that conversation with Lou, I would have... I would have felt better but about it. But maybe if Hank had had a, gone to the butcher shop late at night and found Ed there doing the weird... It's like, I don't think that... It's weird because you're saying that Hank is a fool. I don't think Hank is a fool. I think that that's a reasonable thing. It's like, whoa, that's a conclusion you're jumping to. Why would someone do that? You know, but now you got this car and you got this weird guy following up on this... This menacing guy following up on this car. And then you're Lou and you're thinking about, oh, man. But in that, that scene, Hank doesn't make that connection. Like, you got a weird guy following up on it. Well, Hank knows about that. Yeah, but I still I this is the second time this has happened. When Lou and Hank are having police talk, you always think that Hank is kind of the thick headed one and Lou's the smart one, where I think I think that's true. <laughs> well, I know. I obviously I don't think you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing, and I'm seeing kind of like Lou playing Hank knowingly playing devil advocate, but they're giving each other knowing glances. Like, Hank is picking up on Like what? a smart cop, dumb cop sort of deal? <laughs> no, not exactly that, but I don't know. I can't explain it. It's all in, it's all in Hank's face. Now, I will huh. say okay. that there's enough of what you're saying to make me think that maybe there is... That Hank is... If he's not... I don't know. Because I had this theory that maybe Hank was deliberately trying to obfuscate... Obfuscate, obfuscate, mm-hmm. whatever. Jesus, obscure <laughs> uh-huh. some of the facts of these cases, either because he's dirty or because he's kind of scared, or mm. he just, you know, he'd rather all this go away because this is his county and it's small time. And maybe he is working for the Gerhards. But the thing, the, the flaw in that argument is the Gerhards like two hundred fifty miles away. So, and I know for a fact he's not working for Kansas City because why would he have hassled Matt Milligan? So unless there's a third party that he's looking out hmm. for their interests and he's trying to do, I, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, is he maybe trying to teach him, like let him figure it out on his own? Uh, no, I'm not getting that. I'm just like I, I yeah, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I feel, I feel just... devil's advocate's the best thing, that, but but again, it's it's not like he he uh. understands what's going on here, and I I don't think lose a super cop and Hank's an idiot. I think they're both <laughs> okay, both pretty good. And I don't. I think right. if Lou had been in the barber shop that day, he probably would have also been dismissive of it. But it's just like those confluence of events. And again, if Hank had been mm-hmm. at the butcher shop, yeah, it, I, I feel like they're both pretty good cops. All right, all right. When I'm not scheming that Hank is actually dirty and on the take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess the final thing I want to talk about is war. War. It's time for war, man. It's lots of war. There's war on cancer. I'm excited. There's war on crime. Not about the cancer war. There's there's wars in Korea and Vietnam con- continually mentioned. I thought it was interesting about that they cut – the doctor said there's a war on cancer, and then there's this great scene at the end where Betsy's pondering this test drug. Mm-hmm. And then it dissolves into Floyd you know, cuddling with her husband and then declaring war because it's a little element of this Schrodinger's box – like, Floyd doesn't think that war is the answer, uh-huh. but it's the only thing she's got left, and she's desperately going to try it. And maybe gotcha. this is going to be a smarty, and maybe this is going to be the yeah. thing that's 
that 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 wins the day and the look on her face i felt like there's an interesting symmetry between betsy fighting this losing war and 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 going for a desperate measure that may or may not work and honestly i this episode really bummed me out Sure, it's not a it, not a happy episode. The the scenes of like Floyd with Otto, the scenes with Betsy and uh, Lou, especially when she was trying to explain gently to Lou about like you need to know how to take care of a little girl, like mm-hmm. not in the way that you do where you read the stories and you're a good father and you provide, but you need to know things like uh, you can't just feed a kid beef jerky for a whole weekend, and you, <laughs> hey, you know, she's eventually going to get her period, and you're going yeah. to have to do because you know I'm going to die, and they're both like, but I, their relationship is great. Yeah, it's and tragic. I don't know why because you could easily see her being dissatisfied because she's kind of the stay at home mom, but she fully embraces the role and loves it, and but she's still like really intelligent and she stays involved with police work, and I. I I think the thing that makes it satisfying for me is that they both understand each other. Yeah. On on a very deep level, I think. Yeah. Um, at least that's kind of silently coming across to me. And I don't think Betsy needs Lou to dote on her. And she respects no. the fact he's got an important job that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, that she doesn't want him to treat her differently because she's dying. In fact, that would mortify her. Yeah, and he appreciates that that she's so understanding about the job that he probably feels like he was born to do like this is right. his major passion so. but i'd like to communicate it's like instead of just ham-fistedly trying to baby her he's yeah. like should i treat you any different and yeah. she i feel like authentically says no i don't want you to she's not like saying no i don't want you to but secretly hoping you do yeah it's like everything's yeah. just on the level it's it's on the level in the way that ed and peggy will no. never be and and that irks me so much about their relationship yes they're polar opposites there yeah yeah, that's that's super satisfying to see the Solversons that way. Uh, but I think it's going to be super satisfying to see a war break out in Sioux Falls. Looking oh, forward to be, this massacre. By the way, did you catch the fact that that's where this Wellspring thing is going to happen? In Sioux Falls? Yeah. Yeah. So is she going to be in Sioux Falls and Ed's going to get whacked while she's gone? Is she going to – her and Constance going to be in the middle of this whacking? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, bodies are going to get stacked up deep. <laughs> Deep and high. Uh, I'd be happy with Peggy getting the axe. She probably deserves it at this point. She's in the same way that, like, Lester Nygaard, I would be fine at any time that he died last season. Yeah. Because he was such a little shit. Mm-hmm. But when he survived, it was oddly satisfying in the way that, like, watching a cockroach roll out of a radiation chamber was is oddly satisfying. <laughs> Against all odds. Yeah. But then it also felt really good when he, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, um, Jerry, when he finally gets drugged screaming naked out of the hotel room, it's like, yeah, you got yours, you little fucker. Uh-huh. Uh, what happened? Did Lester get arrested? Did he fall through ice? He fell through ice, right? I don't remember. I just remember he got his. Season. I feel like he 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 tried to run and he ran on ice and and he uh, aw geez and I think fell you're right. Ice. I think you're right, but I totally don't remember. Uh, there's a couple other things I want to talk about. Joe has this speech when he's talking about family business versus a business business. He's like, you know, one of my people act out of uh, act out of order. I take off an arm. Yeah. They speak out of turn. I take out their tongue. What are you going to do to your son? Okay. That's the kitchen brothers don't speak. 
Is it possible that they actually have gotten their tongues pulled out? <laughs> uh, I suppose it's possible, yeah. I feel like there's a scene at least one of them was whispering something to Mike Milligan's ear. So it mm-hmm. doesn't preclude the fact that one of them got their tongue torn out and then in solidarity the other the other one stopped speaking. Yeah, uh, because one they of even... them has a wooden arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but I, I wondered about that. Um, also, what did you think of the the ambush scene with Otto? Wait, but, before we move on to the ambush scene, I still want to talk about this idea, the, the core idea here, which is how, like, does being in this kind of business with your family cause problems? Like, how do you appropriately punish a family member who is just not on the same page as far as the honestly every goes. i've been involved about half of my business ventures have been private you know like just regular companies and half of them have been family businesses uh-huh. this is a weird i guess luck of the draw kind of and i gotta say every family business i've been involved in has been fucking a nightmare fiasco <laughs> machiavellian bullshit from uh-huh. the word jump now that's not to say i didn't enjoy working there from time to time but it's like I'd go home a lot of nights just rolling my eyes, Jesus. Look at these people. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've got the idiot cousin who mm-hmm. shouldn't manage shit, but, you know, the uncle who is capable is, like, really shoving, you know, wanting his son to be cut in whether he deserves it or not. And you've got yep. the brothers and sisters squabbling about how much money and whatever, who's working harder. And you got the mom and dad who are fucking exasperated. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. So... That's a that's a major tension going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, especially when you combine it with this scene where Dodd's got his head on Floyd's shoulder and wants her to acknowledge him and and love him, and she eventually does. Right? Like, what does that say about what she's going to do? Where her priorities lie? Well, so the episode title is "Fear and Trembling," right? Yeah, and we talk about that being a, the part of a Kierkegaard work that meditates about Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son. Mm-hmm. to get the reward promised to him by God. There you go. And I started spinning, as I was watching this, I started spinning that in my head and thinking, maybe the shocking thing is Floyd is going to have to kill Dodd uh-huh. to protect, because does she let Dodd take down Simone and Bear and, you know, the kid with the withered hand, I can't remember his name is, uh, yeah. and the whole family operation and all their business relationships and all that stuff. Situation. Well, I'm worse I'm more of I think it's more of a sunny situation. Yeah, I mean he's not incompetent, but Yeah. But he's also not the world's greatest, you know, just yeah. just just like the Godfather. But you're gonna have you know, to Sonny's not wasn't maybe not so good Don. <laughs> uh I, I I wonder about that because they they don't pick these episode titles out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that could be an indication. And maybe that scene is her realizing this is what I'm gonna have to do mm-hmm. and just having a moment. Yeah. And I because I didn't I never really thought that Dodd would be that vulnerable. Yeah. But again, he's the, you know, he got his childhood ripped away from him mm-hmm. uh, because of the situation he's put into. So I could see him being a little... Probably got some purple nurples from Bear when he <laughs> took him out of the room, I think. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Bear was the purple nurple receivee. Oh, you think so? Dodd's the oldest one, right? Yeah, but Bear's big. So? My brother's way bigger than me, and I was definitely the bully. Yeah, but he'll give you purple nurples now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, that's I, don't know, I, I think I've sold the story in the air before, but the last time, you know, of course it's a moot point now because my brother and I don't speak. But sure. last time, like in he, my my brother was like oh, seventeen, going on eighteen. He's already six four and had about a good twenty thirty pounds on me, and we were 
we're we're doing a test of physical strength and i'm like all right i want to get i'm I, he's he's play fighting i want to fight him for real and 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 put him on his ass just so I'll, you so know, hopefully, know. yeah, like that, I'll <laughs> I'll scare him enough that he won't do this shit again. Ah, because I, I knew I wait another year and yeah, he'll yeah. just he just bid me into a pretzel and kick me down the curb, <laughs> and it worked. So yeah, but yeah, no, I don't. If, I feel like the oldest always, you know, because you always remember being the tiny guy and getting run roughshod. I guess, yeah. I, I, Obviously, I you know. and your brother have a different relationship. Yeah, we didn't fight much. Uh, but there's no me, purple nurples, no pink bellies. Nah, not really. Every once in a while, no quit hitting yourself. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say if you did rarely do the quit hitting yourself, I don't, I don't believe you. Rarely and re- less extreme than most brothers, I think. Okay. Uh, but Bear looks the most physically intimidating to me now. Yeah, yeah. But I you mean, know, maybe he's Dodd, psychologically scarred. When Dodd scarred. was twelve and yeah. Bear was eight, there's a whole other story. But he doesn't seem to shy away from standing up to Dodd either. Sure. So that's I'm not true. like I'm. I don't think he's afraid of Dodd. Is the yeah, thing. yeah, you're right. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe no purple nurples, but clearly Dodd had changed his mind at that. point. I feel like their or, relationship or is neither one it. really wants to test the other. Yeah, because nothing good can possibly come of it. That's true. You know, Dodd will get the. You know, uh, Bear's got the axe. Dodd's got the cattle prod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made the best man win. All right. Anything else? So yeah, I, I want to talk about this ambush with Otto, um, which you know, as soon as you saw the the car, the Bronco parked way too close to the car, you're yeah. thinking this is a bad deal, mm-hmm. which is kind of tropey. I feel like the reason it worked is because of how long they made us wait until they dropped the hammer. Yeah, uh, and then you know, Otto, even though he's he's had a stroke, he's still fully aware of what's going on. He seems more aware in this scene than most. Others. I feel like they need to get the man a bell. All right, you yeah. know, like you know, Hector like Tio, yeah, Tio style, and maybe they he could have you know he'd have been hammering that thing ever for, for, from the jump, and no one would have died. Mm-hmm. Um, that Bronco, which is Mike Milligan's crew's Bronco, was parked outside the clinic that Lou was taking Molly to. It was also parked episode. outside of Lou's house. Oh, it was actually because I, I, I noticed it parked out. So that implies very heavily that Mike is following him, which makes perfect sense because Lou, like Lou proved himself. He stepped up to be a threat. Yeah. So that's huh. that could be bad news. And and also, you know, Lou's not an idiot. He's sitting outside his front, you know, on his front porch with a shotgun tying mm-hmm. tying ropes until the morning because he's afraid and he's got that tingling on the back of his neck. Mm hmm. Uh, so, hmm, yeah, I, I don't know. I, is Betsy going to die of cancer or is she going to die of buckshot? <laughs> That's a fair question, and I don't know the answer. There's also a lot of – so I saw the exact quote of what Lou said last season about his, you know, uh, staying outside on a porch, mm-hmm. protecting people. And he mentioned it was, when you were four, I was protecting your stepmom and you. So is that just Lou being an old man and getting the dates and times wrong? Because Molly's already at least six, and her mom's still alive. And was this the instance huh. that he was talking about? Or is there going to be another several vigils that he has to maintain? Or And are we going to have actually flash forward a year or something where she's not, you know de- dead and he's just remarried and... I have a lot of questions because I feel like yeah. the timeline is very muddy, and I don't know if that's be- 
it's because we don't know enough about it or if it's because Lou's memory is infallible or because Noah Hawley hoped we weren't paying attention and he wanted to do something different with the timeline. I don't have answers to that. And well, if I'm Lou, if thought about it. If I'm Lou, a single night's vigil is not enough to ease my mind. Sure. Like, I'm not going to go, well, they didn't attack tonight, yep. so must be safe. No crazy Indian came yeah. by to kill me, so... So I could totally see another vigil in the future. Um, we also had a time jump we did not see coming on the first season of Fargo. So... Uh, yeah, whole year, right? You know, if, if what if the Gerhards, like, win the battle, but then we flash forward two years to see them decisively lose the war? Mm-hmm. And there's this greater fulfillment and, you know, Betty's already dead and there's already a new woman in the life. And I could see that being dramatically interesting and how Mo- – but still, Molly's not four years old. But, again, you could chalk that up to people just don't have yeah. the best memories 30 years down the line. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I think that's all I got. All right. Why don't we do some feedback? Shep writes in, says, surprise neither you nor any fans mentioned the Breaking Bad nod in episode two. The shot of Ed slash Todd and his tidy Walter Whitey's? Come on. <laughs> All right. Was that an yeah. homage to his role as a meth daemon? Uh, could be. Yeah, why not? Uh, he said, also, Aaron, you noted Rise apartment number is 13. Number 13, when Hansie is pressing Simone for details, she mentions his place is on 13th Street. I thought that's interesting. I mean, it's just symbolic, but he's it's just super unlucky. He's living in apartment number 13 on 13th Street <laughs> on the 13th floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's Jesus. Uh, and he also says, any chance that Betsy gets murdered before the cancer gets her? Is that the ultimate driving force leading Molly into law enforcement? I just pondered that a couple minutes ago, so obviously it's on mm-hmm. my mind. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we really have to see if she if she bites it because of cancer, bites feel, it because of this war, whatever. I I would have a problem with her being murdered because I feel like that's something that would have been come up last season. Probably, yeah. And all the, you know, talking about worrying and not coming back and the, Well, the you know, mom was and, murdered. Yeah. So. <laughs> or she'd have said, you know, dad, it's, you know, I'm not my mom. And, I, you know, uh-huh. when he was, there's, I just feel like that that would have come up. And if you want to reimagine Molly as a eight-year-old and a four-year-old and it's her mom rather than stepmom, fine. <laughs> but that's a little bit of a detail too far for me. Mm-hmm. Jesse wrote in and said, I've been enjoying your recaps because you often catch little things I don't only watching the episode once. This season has been great so far, but I was pretty disappointed in last night's episode. The pieces connecting Ed and Peggy to Rye just seem to fall into place too easily. Mainly, how dumb are they to take their car to a repair shop located right by the scene of the crime? My husband says, well, it's a small town, so maybe there's only one body shop. But I'm from a very small town that has multiple mechanics, and I have to imagine that enough people get in icy, snowy car wrecks up north that you'd have to have more than one option. Oh, well, I guess I'll just have to suspend disbelief the way you did with the Fishnado. I realize one of the main themes of Fargo is all in all its carnations is that regular people who commit crimes always get in over their heads and will always get their comeuppance. So, I guess at the end, does Jesse have a valid concern here or not? It bothered me a little bit how quickly it came together, mm-hmm. but... When I thought about it, there's only really one cheat. Um, yeah, it didn't bother me enough to really. And I guess care. if the Waffle Hut's been closed for low these many days, maybe that's and it looked like that's the only thing out there. Maybe there hasn't been that many cars going by. Yeah, I think I think this has only been like three days. But that murder scene is pristine. It like is like the snow outside yeah. with the blood. I mean, it was all fresh. It's like it just. If I'm Hansi, I'm also kind of worried about touching things or tracking, like putting my tracks out there. Like, I'm yeah, a little worried still... about getting my scent over, along the crime scene here. Sure. Plus, he's also crouching in the middle of the road for two hours. 
Well, yeah. Although I guess you're supposed to believe that that he got teleported into a spaceship when that happened. Yeah, I don't know what to think there. Yeah, uh, something something weird. He going froze. On. He closed his eyes. And but yeah, I mean, when when common people below average intelligence commit crimes, I feel like that's probably what they do. They overestimate. First of all, the thing about dumb people is they, you know, that that's a well known bias. The smarter you are, the more dumb you think you are, and the dumber you are, the smarter you think you are. So you got people of below average intelligence trying to cover up a job, a crime. They think they're doing a thorough job, mm-hmm. um, and surely Ed was being very thorough about it. But you know, it's not gonna it's it's not gonna hold up to any kind of real suspicion. Like Lou said, like if yeah. I, if, if I look in your car, I'm gonna find any blood. Well, of course you are. Mm-hmm. Because Ed didn't do the greatest world's greatest job cleanup. So, and yeah, that does seem to be a Fargo thing. I'm actually curious about how they're going to get out of it because surely Peggy and Ed aren't going to just go down in episode five or six. And Lou's not just going to let it drop either. No, he can't. No, <laughs> it's a murder. He's got to figure it I mean, out. The only way Lester got away in the first episode is because you know Lorne was there to kill the sheriff. Yeah, <laughs> that would have busted busted him. Mm-hmm. And then also better the you know Saul uh, is is a pretty bad lawyer, but even worse sheriff. Uh, Liz G, is Hansi still in Ed and Peggy's house, or did he leave when Lou drove up? I thought he left when Lou drove up, but I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that either. They don't and show I feel like us. there's a little bit of ambiguity. So when Lou says lock the doors, it's a little menacing because they could be locking themselves in with this guy. Yeah, Warshak style. Uh, but R- I, I don't, again, I would be shocked if, uh, they get double murdered next episode. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot more story for them to, to tell. I think so. I am curious about this grinder though. I want to know. Something's rattling in there. Yeah. I want to know how that's going to play out. Uh, Liz G continues. Dodd's behavior while still horrible is more understandable after that glimpse into his childhood. It's sad that the family tradition of violence will carry on in his nephew and his daughter. Now that Dodd has angered and offended the Casey group and gotten the war he wanted. How are you and Jim feeling about Fargo season two? I've read that viewership is down this season. Uh, so I did some research and it is slightly down from last season. Hmm. Very slightly, like a couple hundred thousand. Like Fargo, it debuted with like 2.5 million. But by the end of the season, we were in the 1.3, 1.4, 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe there's a little rally for the finale. But in season two, we're steady like 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. So it's down a little bit. But here's the thing. Americans is literally twice as bad as far as a rating standpoint. Like they got a half million and a 700,000 a couple of times. And they got renewed for another season. Uh So I feel like FX is really, you know, they take this prestige thing and the fact that these shows win awards and get buzz. They're you know not quite as intense as HBO about that stuff, but I feel like they want to stay the course on these creative things because they. I also think in the back of their head they look at Breaking Bad and see a show that was struggling with one and a half million, maybe even less, and then they get to season three and it and it built up on Netflix. By the way, Fargo is on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and then it just explodes in season three, season four, season five, and they have this big hit, on, and, and they kind of want to be patient about that. That's good. That's a good trend of, of these production companies and, and uh, studios being a little more tolerant of not getting huge numbers right off the bat. Yeah, it makes you wonder what had happened to like Firefly yeah. in the Netflix age. 
Exactly. You know, if it, if they if Fox had kept it up and and you know they it gotten a lot of buzz and people were able to check into it for free on Netflix, mm-hmm. you know what what could have happened there? Uh, Michael R. Echoing some thoughts I've had, something's perplexing me relating to the geography of the season. There are three cities we know that are important this year: Fargo, North Dakota, Laverne, Minnesota, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Laverne and Sioux Falls are only thirty miles apart, but Fargo is two hundred fifty miles to the north. I can't figure out why on earth a judge from Fargo would drive 250 miles to eat at a Waffle Hut in Laverne in the middle of the night. I really hope we get some sort of explanation before the series and the season is over. Rather, uh, I agree. At first, I I got the, the opposite conclusion. I thought that the judge was in her kind of home area, and Rye had driven all the way because there was. A little talk about like, oh, he's kind of far afield, or you know, where what's he doing down here? Uh-huh. That kind of kind of talk, but that judge, it, it leads me to believe that judge was up to something. Because why else would she be two hundred fifty miles away from hmm. where she works and presumably lives? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the geography of this show. I mean, to... that typewriter thing and Rye and the judge was all so neatly tied up three episodes into the season, there's got to be something more to that that's going to come to light. Because otherwise it's going to be not exactly a plot hole, but certainly a hanging chad for the season that gives you kind of like a doubt about what, what's going on there. And it just seems like the show's too too careful to do something like that. Uh, Mike also continues, P.S. on an unrelated note, there really is a bus service in Laverne called the Rocky or the Rock County Heartland Express. Oh, my God. I have no idea if it was around in 1979, but it's still it's it's there today. And he actually uh, connected me to their website where they do indeed have a some kind of mass transit service. Why? Yeah, Why? I mean, I don't know. I was like in Anderson, Indiana, which is kind of a, a pissant little town uh, in Indiana. And they have... A bus, like, you see bus stops. I've never seen a bus drive through Anderson. <laughs> and I've seen other, like, small communities have, like, bus stops and stuff where, like, maybe once in a blue moon or they have, like, one or two rush hour buses or maybe a senior citizen bus. It's charity service. But, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. And it seems mm-hmm. like as I was reading their webpage, it is kind of that sort of thing. It's It's all about, you know, public and private schools and nursing homes and... You know that kind of thing. Hmm. Like maybe they run a bus out to the lo- the Indian casino or something yeah. from the the nursing homes at once a week. But yeah, so fuck us, we were wrong. There is a Rock County Heartland Express. Surprising. Yeah, and that's all the feedback we got. Okay. If people want to send more feedback, where can they? Oh, send that's it? right. That's what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah. It's Fargo, <laughs> Fargo at BaldMove.com, or you can also get your uh, word in edgewise at forums.baldmove.com sure. please try to not peggy and and ed and use complete sentences yeah the passive aggressive thing doesn't work very well and yeah it'd be really text. funny if that's how the the fargo forums started it's like you know i kind of disagree <laughs> well you know i don't think you're well you know we talked about this <laughs> last week we talked about this and it's just like quotes uh, in, in in those quote chains of that the language would be much more foul though Probably, yeah. Knowing our screwed career. would not be the extent of that <laughs> of the language. Yeah, uh, we'd be we'd be well, we'd be screwed. <laughs> that's a great line, by the way. Uh, okay, well, that's it for the episode. Then we'll be back next Wednesday with another show. Uh, hopefully, we get another good episode. And uh, yeah, I, I would bet on it. Yeah, 
This show has been consistently good. Mm-hmm. So, dude. By the way, I feel like I got in a couple of pieces of pieces of negative feedback about us ranking who won the week each week. And I wonder, like, is that like isolated thing? Because I I find it <laughs> deeply satisfying to rank things like that. And I I'm not making pejorative, like, oh, Fargo's the number one show now. Now the leftovers, and oh, it's like I just I don't know. I feel like. That's something that's like a Bill Simmons shtick that I like when him and Cousin Sal talk about, you know, who had the better mm-hmm. weekend or whatnot. And mm-hmm. I like doing it on the show, but I also don't want to antagonize our fan bases. Yeah, for me, it's just like that's a way to, for me to outwardly tell people how excited I am about certain shows, right? Like, I, I don't care that anybody won or lost the week. That's yeah. not what it's about. It's Especially, more about like, I, it, like, when I say leftovers is crushing everything else on TV, I just mean. Leftovers was fantastic this week. Right. Uh, I don't know. I was super excited about Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like, that got me going. Mm-hmm. Fargo, nah. It it had a slightly lower uh, Well, it was, a, it was a table-setting episode, just yeah. like The Leftovers was last but week. But now The Wars got me excited again. Sure. So it's, for next it's, week, you got hoping... the promise of a lot of interesting things happening next yeah. week and in the weeks to come. But, no, I mean, to me, it's it's a fun little thing I like to do, especially when you get something this evenly matched. It's just mm-hmm. a fun little extra thing. And if everybody else agrees, then we keep doing it. But, I mean, I can, I can keep it to myself. Me and Jim can just have this conversation over lunch instead. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. So, Fargo at BaldMove.com if you care to opine. All right, cool. We'll be back next week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. <laughs>